Hello and welcome to the Beyond Biotech podcast number 40. And this week's podcast is sponsored by PHTA Limited. The Precision Health Technologies Accelerator is the University of Birmingham's flagship life sciences research facility, a place where entrepreneurs, startups and scale-ups collaborate with clinical academic specialists, creating unique opportunities to develop and commercialize cutting-edge therapies and technologies. Our advanced lab and incubation facilities are opening in autumn 2023 and we want to work with innovators and small enterprises to bring their innovations from bench to bedside. Visit pHTA.co.uk and inquire about lab space today. PHTA Limited, empowering health innovation. I'm Jim Cornell from La Biotech and it's been another busy week as we wave goodbye to March with Easter just around the corner in some countries and also the dreaded April the 1st or April Fool's Day coming up tomorrow. I gave up on that many years ago as what might seem to be a harmless prank or a joke might in fact really hurt someone as happened to someone I know in Canada who was really upset by what turned out to be a joke post on a work thread. For once, it wasn't a totally wet week here. No doubt next week, when there's no school and we have visitors from Canada, it will pour. At least the clocks have sprung forward, which always makes it feel like spring, as does the start of the baseball season. I've been uploading videos and audio from all of the different events and trying to get some of that sorted out, and I'm glad I'm not travelling this week with all the strikes taking place around Europe. If you are a regular reader of articles at LaBiotech, you may have noticed a website revamp this week as well. This week we're taking a little bit of a deeper look at ADCs. That's not ACDC with a letter missing, it's ADC or antibody drug conjugates. I appreciate there are dozens of companies doing great things in the space, and we couldn't feature everyone, so we've chosen two to highlight this week with a bit of an overview. And so our guests are Dr. Pini Sukerman, Chief Scientific Officer of Nexin Therapeutics, and Dr. Matthew Robinson, Chief Technology Officer at Immunome. I'm going to skip the news you may have missed this week because there was work being done on the website earlier this week, so there aren't as many articles. Although we did have a couple of articles on hearing loss, one on riboswitches, another on a new $600 million biotech fund, data from a hepatitis trial, and plenty of others, so it is still worth heading over to labiotech.eu to check it all out. So first up this week, we have a conversation with Dr. Pini Tsukerman, Chief Scientific Officer of Nectin Therapeutics. Nectin Therapeutics is a clinical trial biotechnology company developing new immuno-oncology therapies to address resistance towards existing cancer treatments. Dr. Sukerman is an expert in the field of ADCs and was instrumental in some of the research done on checkpoint inhibitors. Before we start talking about what you're doing, I wonder if you could explain what antibody drug conjugates are and how they work. Sure. So antibody drug conjugates, exactly as the name suggests, they are based on an antibody or an antibody fragment, and they carry active moiety. Now, the most common class of drugs is carrying cytotoxic payload. 
So the most common type of ADCs is aiming to target cancer, carrying something which is very, very potent and which is extremely risky to release in a systemic manner. Having said that, there are plenty of new modalities looking to utilize this excellent platform to deliver more, either on the same field, to deliver more mild targets, such as immune stimulants, or to even try and do something which is more broad than targeting oncology. For instance, targeting autoimmune disease and try to eliminate specific subsets or effector cells. These are the broad kind of concepts. Then you have to, according to the class of the chemistry of the drugs that you are using, you have to be able to make sure that on the one hand, your conjugate is stable enough to prevent loss of a highly potent material elsewhere in the body beside your target organ, but to make sure it releases enough of the material once target organ is reached. And the antibody component allows you to, one, deliver an extremely, extremely specific location. So the antibodies are extremely selective. And two, because of their properties, antibodies are excellent carriers, so they have an ability to remain in the system for a very, very long time without clearance. And what kind of conditions are antibody drug conjugates useful in treating? So first of all, as I mentioned earlier, so the, everything which is now approved is in oncology. And actually, ADCs are revolutionizing oncology treatment as we know it. And the, some of the things were also shown at the meeting here. But the most famous ADC now is Inheritu, followed by Patsel. These are targeting two different tumor-associated antigens. One is HER2 targeting, so it's a famous target known for a couple of decades, which was initially targeted by blocking antibodies, then by an antibody which is capable to recruit some activity from a certain population of immune cells, and finally by an ADC. And it was a good ADC known as Katsaila, approved one, giving hope to many patients, but then it was revolutionized when HER2 the same antibody, different type of payload was introduced, and in HEL2, essentially more than triples the impact of the previously approved drug Katsaila. And people lived for many years in settings where they were limited to a number of months. And so this is one famous antibody. The second one is Patsev, which is targeting Nectin 4 for metastatic arterial cancer. And so we'll talk about it in a couple of minutes in more details, but this antibody really, really went up quickly from phase one to approval, and it's now moving into an earlier line in combination with immune checkpoint. And there you have an amazing over 90% patient responding. Okay, so these responses will not necessarily mean the patients are cured, but you understand that in terms of cancer, and especially hard to treat cancer, once you're able to pass it, threshold of 50%, it's an amazing number. Getting to 90 almost sounds like imaginary. Are there many companies working in the ADC space and how do those companies differ? So it's actually very, very clear. Given what I just told you about the success of Inherito and Patser, you probably can imagine that 
every company now is paying a good, good amount of attention to ABC. And so then you have a number of aspects in which you can excel. So I'll start with us because it's the easiest way to look at it. We are a company with a clinical asset in immune oncology space. So we are coming with a lot of background on immunology and oncology and with a significant experience with antibody engineering and design and with a unique proprietary data on target selection. So this is one aspect, everything that has to do with antibody. The second aspect is on the chemistry of the conjugation. So as I told you, having these antibodies conjugated to extremely potent payloads it's non-trivial because once the payload is released in circulation, instead of being delivered to the tumor, you once miss on the activity of your ADC because you didn't get to the tumor. And the second aspect, you essentially cause side effects. So there is another class of companies focusing on improving the interaction between the payload and the drug. This is called conjugation strategy or linker technology. And there is another arm which looks at the payload. So payload is actually the class of the cytotoxic drug. Now, again, you have a garden variety of flavors to the payload, but the point is, as a strategy, you want to be potent enough to eliminate tumor cells of any class, dividing, not dividing. And on the other hand, you should be very, very aware that you don't want to kill normal cells. And these are the specializations. But of course, to take it into the patient, you need to have the whole product. So the highly potent payloads, you cannot give them directly. There is no meaning to conjugation without an antibody and a payload. And antibodies seem to be insufficient for most of indications. And I will take a step back because we have a situation now in which immune checkpoint inhibitors are the dominant class of IO. So they also rely on antibody molecules. And it provides hope to millions of people globally. And moreover, once the ADCs are kind of settled in the field of IO, there is still room for immune checkpoint blockade because what the ADC will do, it will kind of ideally kill sufficient amount of tumor cells to enable the host to mount an effective immune response, which will eradicate the remaining tumor cells and generate immune memory. So the, 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 the patient will actually become tumor free and will last a life without cancer. Obviously, you can't be exact. You mentioned companies entering into the field because it's kind of attractive right now. How many ADCs are currently approved and how many companies are doing trials on them or are they all at the planning stage? We are looking at 13 approved drugs. There are now 250 clinical trials initiating in 2022. We have from the beginning of the year roughly 40 trials initiated. Most of these trials are essentially looking for a component of either a monotherapy, monotherapy of a, an experimental ADC to gain approval, or a combination therapy between an ADC, an immune checkpoint inhibitor, or an ADC-ADC combo. 
So I wasn't exaggerating telling you it's a boiling field, like everyone wants to be part of it now. And again, like with what was previously seen for I.O., the idea is to bring actual therapeutic possibility for patients, but you need to know a lot before you go in. And a lot of these trials will not deliver, unfortunately, because brute force approach would just going and throwing everything you got into the field. It's not necessarily the best approach. And we saw it after the previous wave of I.O. approvals. We saw the, the kind of decline in novel agents. So they approved the I.O., PD-1 inhibitors, PD-1 inhibitors. They gained more and more ground because these drugs work so well. But finding the next generation of immune oncology is a huge challenge. This is actually something we believe we've been able to achieve here at Necking Therapeutics. And this is why we founded the company. We kind of complement this niche. And I believe similar thing will happen with ADC. So you have these major players taking more and more ground, going into earlier lines, and then they will have to expand on the activity because the benchmark for ADC activity is getting higher by the day. All right. You mentioned checkpoint inhibitors a couple of times. Could you kind of explain what they are and their connection to ADCs? Yeah. So checkpoint, an immune checkpoint is a normal physiological mechanism which prevents your immune system from attacking your body in an uncontrolled manner. So take, for instance, common cold, something like this. Without the ability to stop the immune response, once the threat is gone, your body will go into hyperdrive and you will probably suffer or even die. This is a normal control mechanism. Now, the problem is that cancer utilizes this mechanism to exhaust and prevent immune activation. So what happened in cancer is a revolution which awarded Nobel Prizes was the concept that you can actually restore immune activity in cancer by blocking these specific proteins and preventing tumor-mediated immune cell exhaustion. And what was actually shown is that a fraction of patients, roughly 20 to 25%, it's different between indications, can benefit from these drugs. But what was amazing that these patients who actually respond, they tend to have a very robust response. So in some cases of metastatic melanoma, it was shown that people are able to live five and 10 years disease-free once responding sufficiently because the immune system is extremely powerful tool to do exactly what we aim to achieve with this immune checkpoint inhibitor. Once you have sufficient firepower, you eliminate the cancer, tumor-specific immune cells remain and screen the body for remaining tumor cells and eradicate them. So this is the goal of essentially everything. You are able to kill a bunch of tumor cells because tumor cells are so heterogeneous. You will always have some hiding. But once immune cells are taught how to eliminate those, you will get a biological system capable of replicating 
and enhancing activity until all the tumor cells are gone. Then to put in context of your previous question, so there is always a standard of care. We move from chemotherapy to IO to ADCs. But the, the beauty about it, it's you can always combine. So a lot of these drugs are coming in combination. Chemo can be combined with immune checkpoint inhibitors. Radiotherapy can be combined with immune checkpoint inhibitors. ADCs can be combined with immune checkpoint inhibitors. And ADCs are actually trying to utilize the concept of chemo or radiotherapy in a more sparing manner. So you take the most cytotoxic agent or the most radioactive moiety, you conjugate it to an antibody, and instead of spread it all over the body of the patient, it goes to the tumor preferentially and stays there. And then the tumor is exposed to significantly higher doses while the patient is spared. I just want to clarify, these are kind of high-level, desirable results. It's never as easy or as straightforward as the theory suggests. Sure. Yeah. And everybody responds differently and there's so many different factors involved. Absolutely. You mentioned combinations of approaches. Is is that, in your opinion, the future of cancer treatment? Yes. It's a very short answer. Yes. This is how I'm talking, first of all, from our own kind of vision of nectin therapeutics. So, and then connecting it to the broader therapeutic field. Once you're able to eliminate let's say, the bulk of the tumor, you have occasions of an individual tumor cell escaping, either due to a mutation of the target antigen. So if the target okay, for the ADC is gone from the surface of the tumor cell, you won't impact it, right? So this is one way. The other way is because at the end of the day, ADC delivers a cytotoxic agent. But tumor cells are known to have multiple mutations preventing the activity of these agents. So you're essentially looking at selection process. So you can kill 99.9% of the tumor cells. The remaining 0.1% is still plenty. And then at this point, if you are able, before getting to the immune system, killing these many tumor cells in such a rapid manner, enables you to generate plenty of neoepitopes, tumor-specific epitopes, which can potentially trigger immune responses. And if you achieve this, you'll be probably able to find the hiding cells. But the point is, these cells, these hiding tumor cells, survive by being able to avoid all the other components. And here, the turn of immune checkpoint inhibition comes. So once you block immune checkpoints, you are able to scout and destroy the remaining tumor cells. So in my opinion, combination of the future, it's not even a question. The question is how to optimize combination strategy because I don't yet know to tell you if it's better to combine two ADCs looking at different targets in different cytotoxic mechanisms, or an ADC with immune checkpoint inhibition. And then the question is about sequence of events. So if you look at it very, very simplistically, you first want to kill the tumor cell mass and then reinvigorate immune responses. But how do you achieve it? What is the kinetics of each event? So it's really, really, really not 
trivial. I think that a couple of years from now, once the combination strategy settles, we'll know better what's the optimal way. And as far as your own company's concerned, could you tell me about your company and your pipeline and what you're doing? Sure, so I'm happy to tell you about that. We are a clinical stage asset. With our primary focus, as I earlier mentioned, was immune oncology. So we develop first-in-class and best-in-class assets to reinvigorate immune cells. And we've shown tremendous preclinical promise, and we are now in the clinical settings. Hopefully, you'll be able to show some clinical relevance soon enough. Now, since we are in origin discovery, research and discovery company, we were working on many, many aspects of the immune activation in the context of anti-tumor activity. And eventually, we landed on ADCs. We selected all types of activities, and we understood that combining our expertise in immunology, oncology, makes the most sense to utilize with ADCs. And we pushed forward a number of first-in-class ADCs as well as a best-in-class asset. So the best-in-class asset is targeting Nectin-4. I mentioned the approved therapy PADSEV earlier. So PADSEV is an amazing drug with amazing clinical performance. But what we were able to show preclinically is that we are able to reach significantly better preclinical results. So if you look at this translationally, we'll be able to potentially help more patients with less acute side effects. This is the strategy there. And all of our assets are focusing on the pathway of nectin and nectin-like protein, which is a fairly diverse family of proteins, looking at roughly 20 of those. And these proteins, they have a normal role in biology, but also a role in oncology. And because they are on the same biological pathway, we identified multiple parallel non-redundant mechanisms which allow our pipeline to have an internal synergy for both IO and ADCS. And yeah, so we come here to, to kind of learn from the approved drugs, what can be improved for us, and also to showcase some of the things we've been able to generate over the past two, two and a half years. The World ADC event uh, that you're at right now, could you tell me a little bit about the relevance yes. of that? a great conference. Many relevant players are here. So there are more than 550 delegates representative from all the companies who have an approved ADC. So it's a great opportunity to learn. Again, everyone shares as much as they can, but uh, it's amazing. You can also learn from what didn't work well, because if a company have an approved product, which works for a population, it's a very good for a certain population, it's a very good opportunity to understand which other populations cannot benefit from this drug. And then you understand the unmet need. So for me as a drug developer, this is very, very important. Is it just um, companies that are there as well, or are there you know, universities, researchers? Yeah, I saw over 500 participants. I saw a number of academics here. For my narrow interest, I go predominantly to the translational sessions, but there are definitely academic interests as well, because again, innovation at the end should come from these universities. And I guess the final question on the future, we, obviously you can't 
predict everything, but what do you think's next for ADCs in terms of trials, approvals, what's, what lies ahead? Well, actually, it was discussed uh, in the session in the uh, AM today. So we are in consensus. No one is arguing that the next wave of approval is going to be uh, ADCs with immune checkpoint inhibitors. So for Merck and Cigen, now uh, Pfizer, they have a PDUFA in a couple of months for the first-line uh, combination of PD-1 and uh, Pfizer. Because the results are amazing. You're looking at a small cohort of patients, almost all of them are responding. You don't, you don't get it without a combo. So if you don't get it, it doesn't matter if you use the most potent ADC. So I think that the first wave of approval, actual approval, will come from ADC-IO, immune checkpoint. Then we'll see some ADC-ADC combos because ADCs are looking at different targets Combining ADC, looking at different targets, and in different pathways of cell division or immune evasion, it actually makes plenty of scientific sense. And if we at Nectin do it, I believe other companies are also aware of this. And then this will be the next wave. And then this final wave, to me, leading to a very, very robust improvement in outcomes will be combination of a number of ADCs and immune checkpoint inhibition. Because once you kill sufficient amount of tumor cells, prevent resistance, and restore immune memory, the future is going to look way, way better for cancer patients. Does that mean curing or does that mean kind of managing? You already now have a significant, again, so, so I've been doing this for the past nearly two decades. If you look 20 years back, let's make it 17 years back, no one spoke about curation, right? Nobody spoke. You didn't hear curing cancer. But now you already have double-digit percentage of patients in certain indication able to have a complete response, meaning 100% of the lesions are gone. How is the patient cured? We don't know yet. You don't use the word cure unless you follow up for five or ten years. But to me, maybe being a bit optimistic or naive, Curation is on the table. Curative settings are in this decade. Now we head to Pennsylvania to talk to Dr. Matthew Robinson, Chief Technology Officer of Immunome. Dr. Robinson is also vastly experienced in the field with more than 20 years of work in antibody engineering and therapeutic development. If I could first get a bit of a overview of your company and what you do, that would be great. Certainly. So you know, just by way of introduction, my name is Matt Robinson. I'm the Chief Technology Officer at Immunome. Immunome is a biotech company based in the Philadelphia area, and we are focused on leveraging the human immune response and in particular human memory B-cell response to identify novel targets for antibody-based therapies. What do you have in the pipeline and what are you working on at the moment? A little bit more background. Immunome's approach at using the human memory B-cell response has really enabled us to take an unbiased approach to target identification. So, you know, we believe the human immune response is better at identifying 
you know, novel targets for these types of therapies than scientists are necessarily at going to the literature and identifying those targets. So we have used our platform to identify a series of novel targets. The, the most advanced of those in the oncology space is an antibody against IL-38. IL-38 is a novel cytokine that we believe acts as a checkpoint on the innate immune system. Uh, it's function had been known in the literature related to autoimmune disease and inflammatory diseases, but you know, we identified it as being potentially interesting as a target for oncology based on our platform and have subsequently done a lot of work demonstrating its potential utility. And the literature has sort of also begun coming out as well, demonstrating its role in cancer. So we're developing an antibody against that that blocks IL-38 function, and we believe will help to reawaken the immune response against cancers, particularly cancers of squamous origin. It seems as those tumors have co-opted this natural anti-inflammatory response that the body has to sort of suppress the body's ability to reject tumors using their immune system. We believe our antibody is going to be able to reawaken that, and we're you know, actively getting ready to file the IND for that program in the coming months. As far as um, anybody drug conjugates are concerned, do you mm-hmm. think that using them alone is going to be the way forward or do you think that it's going to be in conjunction with other therapies? I think that's really going to be on a case-by-case basis. It depends on what the target is and you know the mechanism by which the ADC is working. To speak to how we at Immunome think about ADCs, so obviously there's been... I'll call it a resurgence in the ADC space over the last few years uh, with the approval of a a number of different antibody drug conjugates for both solid tumors and hematologic malignancies. But that's really been resurgence, as we'll call it, has been based upon the last couple of decades worth of work really focused on optimizing the chemistry of the toxins and the chemistries that's used to link those toxins to the antibody itself. So that linker toxin chemistry. At Immunome, we think our platform and our ability to really see how patients' immune responses are reacting against their cancers is providing us with a unique set of targets that we may be able to leverage for novel ADCs. So we're really focused on the target side of the ADC. If you look the recent World ADC meeting, I think there was a presentation talking about the fact that there's something like 90 antibodies, antibody drug conjugates that were or are currently being developed against HER2. Right? That's not the space that we're interested in playing in. We're interested in understanding what new targets can we go after, the ones that, are, that we're identifying through using the human immune response to guide us. How broad is the ADC space? I think there's lots of opportunities. As you may recently know, we started impaneling an advisory board at Immuno to help us think about how we can leverage the types of targets that we're identifying for ADC development. We talk to those individuals. They point out the fact that there are certain cancers that no one is developing ADCs against that may be very ripe for that type of modality. You know, there are other cancers to which people have tried but failed. 
colorectal cancer being one of those, right, where just hasn't responded well to ADC-type therapies, there's the possibility that if we're identifying the right kinds of targets, we can go after those types of cancers as well. Has the field changed much in the last few years? I think the biggest changes have really been around the linker chemistry and the, the toxic payloads. That's my impression of the field. It's really been the optimization of those types of chemistries. Also, the ability to do site-directed conjugation to the antibodies themselves, right? Really put together a well-defined, well-behaved molecule that you can then go and test in the clinic. What was um, World ADC London like? Oh, it was it was a very good event. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. A lot of interesting talks around, again, the new programs that are coming out, the advances in the chemistry and advances in the, the toxins. Our perspective, you know, I gave a, a talk on our platform and how our platform is able to identify these novel targets. And in particular, we focused on a class of targets that were calling ectopically expressed. So there are these proteins that normally, if you go to the literature and read about their function, they're thought to be intracellular. Using our platform, we are identifying them as being on the surface of tumor cells, selectively on tumor as compared to normal tissues. You know, we believe that is you know, likely just due to the mutations and the, you know, the way tumor cells metabolism and membrane dynamic functions are, are altered as compared to normal cells. So you see these proteins that are normally only found on the inside of cells being on the surface of the tumor cells. And for ADCs, one of the most important things that you can really have, at least from our perspective, is a good tumor to normal tissue expression ratio, right? Because the whole idea of an ADC is to selectively target a very toxic molecule to the tumor as compared to normal cells. And these ectopically expressed targets, because they appear to only be on the surface of tumor cells as compared to normal cells, we think that class is really ripe as being targets of ADCs. And as a someone who would go to the literature and just ask the question, should I go after this target as an ADC? You wouldn't necessarily think the answer is yes, because you would think it's only on the inside. But the patient's immune systems are telling us that they are on the surface of these tumor cells. And the antibodies that we're identifying are able to bind to the tumor cells and get internalized. And internalization is a key component for antibody drug conjugates. So the types of antibodies, the types of targets are, we're identifying in this class, um, we believe are ripe for use as ADCs. And, you know, it's just our platform providing us with that insight that's really driven us that direction. And the talk, I felt, felt the talk was well-received. Is it an event where it feels very collaborative and people are very open about what they're doing? I thought that it was a pretty collaborative meeting. I had lots of very good conversations with individuals and the talks were very good. I know that you have a collaboration with AbbVie. Is that something that you're able to talk about? Certainly. Yeah, I can I can speak to the AbbVie collaboration. We announced it in January. It is a collaboration where we are going to be leveraging our platform. So we will 
identify 10 novel antibody target pairs that we will develop to a certain point, get them to, you know, where we have a certain set of data, and then those will be passed over or passed on to AbbVie for further development. And it's all focused around three currently undisclosed tumor types. And could you tell me a little bit about the establishment of the ADC and T-cell redirection advisory board? Certainly. So we recently announced that John Lambert and Tony Tulcher uh, joined our ADC and TC T-cell redirector advisory board. As I mentioned earlier, we're finding these interesting classes of targets there's a topically expressed targets in particular that we thought would be well-suited for antibody drug conjugates. We are not an antibody drug conjugate company per se, right? We're really a target company. We, um, so we wanted to really go out to the people who test these things clinically and who have developed many of them you know, in their lifetimes. You know, John was at Immunogen, Tony Tolcher leads next right now and has done a lot of the clinical trials. We wanted to, you know, engage them to understand, you know, and get their feel for how can we leverage these? What is going to make a good target for an ADC? How do we think about developing ADCs? What indications do we think about uh, developing ADCs for, et cetera? So those are the first two members of the board. We may be adding additional ones, but certainly looking to leverage their expertise to help us in the way we think about using our targets and our antibodies for ADC development. It tends to be traditionally targeting the oncology field. Are there other potential uses? Certainly. So, you know, we have already demonstrated in the infectious disease space that our platform can function very effectively. We had a collaboration with the U.S. Department of Defense, where we developed an antibody cocktail for COVID that has stood the test of time against the variants. We have antibody, you know, an antibody that is has a very unique mechanism of action that was active against all the variants that we've tested against to date, including Omicron's. Beyond those two indications, you know, we think there's other other indications as well. So there's the autoimmune space, the anti, you know, the inflammatory disease space, hematologic malignancies, any place where the human B cell is responsible for either attacking or being a causative agent of the disease. You know, we think there's an opportunity to really understand how patients' immune responses are functioning in those diseases and leverage that information to for therapeutic intent. What do you see the short and long-term future of this part of the life sciences? For immunome, you know, we are certainly moving forward with our oncology efforts, very much focused on, you know, moving IL-38 into the IND. We have our own proprietary programs that we are working to bring forward. They're currently in the discovery phase. With our AVI colleagues, we will be working again in the oncology space, but we're always looking to develop additional partnerships, collaborations with others, both inside and outside of the solid tumor areas. There's been quite a lot of excitement in with ADCs and sort of some of the mm-hmm. numbers and studies that have taken place. Do you think that that's potentially leading towards cures of things like cancer, or do you think it's more maintaining somebody's current condition without deterioration? 
I am not a clinician. I, you know, certainly the checkpoint inhibitors that we have, you know, that have been identified over the last couple of decades have really revolutionized the way we think about treating cancer, really demonstrated the power of the human immune response to fight back against those diseases. I think leveraging everything that we can about that type of, you know, the information that's sort of housed within the immune responses is going to be important for treating these patients and really changing outcomes for patients, you know, whether that is through additional immune modulators like our anti-IL-38 antibody or combining those with um, molecules that redirect the immune response through TCE engagers, combinations with ADCs. I think all of those different approaches have the potential to really change outcomes for patients. The new types of modalities, the way people are thinking about treating disease now is really, it's promising. It's promising. And I would imagine that the event that you were just at in London is both encouraging and inspiring as well for the future. Absolutely. Right. To see all of the work that is going on, you know, the wide range of companies and academic groups and the, the different approaches that they're taking is certainly encouraging. And that's it for another podcast. A reminder that the podcast this week was sponsored by PHTA Limited. The Precision Health Technologies Accelerator is the University of Birmingham's flagship life sciences research facility, a place where entrepreneurs, startups and scale-ups collaborate with clinical academic specialists, creating unique opportunities to develop and commercialize cutting-edge therapies and technologies. Our advanced lab and incubation facilities are opening in autumn 2023 and we want to work with innovators and small enterprises to bring their innovations from bench to bedside. Visit pHTA.co.uk and inquire about lab space today. PHTA Limited, empowering health innovation. It's a short week next week. Well, the week itself is the same length as every other week. It's just that there's a holiday thrown in there as well in some countries. And the UK happens to be one of them, fortunately for us. Here, the forecast for the whole weekend is sunny. So clearly someone who works at the Weather Channel has started April Fool's Day a day early. So anyway, thanks a lot for joining us. And I hope that wherever in the world you are, you have a great week ahead. Take care and you'll join us again next time for another Beyond Biotech.